All right, welcome back in another edition of the Damn Podcast. Brandon Sprague, 1080 The Fan, Angie Machado, BeaverBlitz.com. We haven't done one of these in a while, but uh, some pretty big news out there for Oregon State fan. A really big weekend for them this past weekend in recruiting. Uh, I was following along on Blitz. I'm following along with people like Angie and Adam, uh, the Blitz family, and I go, you know what? We got to do a pod for the peeps, and I text Angie. We set it up. I know it's a couple days delayed. Apologies for that, but uh, Angie, how you been? And uh, boy, what a weekend Oregon State had, huh? It was crazy. Yeah, I mean, it was. Um, you know, they've they've done some really good things the past uh, couple weeks, and we can dive into that. But four commits, and we're not done. So I'll just leave that little tease out there um, from the weekend visitors. Six visitors, five were officials, one was unofficial. And, uh, yeah, to pull in four, I've done this now since 06, so 12 years, and that was the biggest one-day recruiting haul I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think uh, something like that can stick out. When you, when you, specifically you, say that, I think people's eyebrows raise. Because here's the thing. I think initially I thought, all right, great. They got the four-star kid. They got a couple three-stars. Good weekend for them. Really good weekend. I don't follow it as closely as you do. I've been around it. You're around it. You're plugged in. You know. To hear that kind of leaves you optimistic. But I did have a, a moment of pause. And what my pause was, I felt like early on with Gary Anderson... And you can correct me here, and I, I would love you to. Didn't he get a couple four stars in maybe the first or second class, and people had kind of built up this here we go momentum? Am I misremembering the timeline here? It's just I had thought that Gary Anderson early on had kind of done a couple things where people were like, whoa. And obviously that didn't pan out. I'm not saying it's going to happen that way for Smith, but what was the timeline like for Anderson when he pulled in a couple talented kids versus how this transpired for Jonathan Smith and the new staff? Well, you know, John or Gary did have you know a couple you know four stars. Christian Wallace pops into my mind immediately. Right. Um, some of those those kids, um, but you know they did have a. It was I believe it was two years ago. I remember I was at the beach. I'd taken the kiddos with my girlfriend and her friends, uh, or her kids to the coast just for a night to celebrate the start of, of summer vacation. And Oregon State got three commits in that one day. So that was that was kind of the. The kind of a benchmark for me because I remember my my girlfriend's getting mad because I'm sitting here trying to call kids and it's supposed to be total fun. <laughs> Husbands were at home, take the kids to the beach, and we're walking down the street in Seaside, and she's taking them to the little carousel while I'm trying to. Call you're kids. on your phone, and you're, I am on yeah. my phone, and I am that awful mom. But um, no, I mean those kids though. That was a Justin Gardner, um, Caleb Hayes, and Eric Flemings were those three for that one, and. And so to put it, you know, in perspective, I mean, those kids are, are talented and they could pay dividends down the road for Oregon State. Um, they didn't have really a lot of other offers. Um, I'm not talking these guys are not all world, you know, knocking down doors, but, um, you know, Ryan Frankie and Michael Earhart, both out of very good high school, in Southern California, linebacker prospects that, you know, Coach Tibisar and Coach Bray identified early as guys they want. Mm-hmm. Um, they're smart. They're very smart. I mean, both of them had offers to Ivy League schools. So um, talking to people close to the program, one thing that they are really looking to do is they want guys that are going to pick up the playbook soon. They want smart, intelligent players that they don't have to spend two years trying to figure out the playbook. That right. They'll come in and figure that out. So um, as far as that's concerned, I mean, these guys all had offers to other um, programs. Trevon Clark really kind of came out of nowhere. He's at El Camino College, a 6'4 wide receiver 
who basically, Oregon State got in touch with him. It was May 31st, and within 10 days, he is on campus on official visit and had told me before the trip that he wanted to wait and go check out Iowa State, but was so blown away once he got to Oregon State, it was, it was done. So he canceled his Iowa State trip. Yes. Yeah. All these guys are 100%. They are excited. They're helping recruit other guys. Um, it's it's an interesting, um, you know, I, I can see Coach Smith trying to kind of go Chris Peterson, you know, that if you're committed, you're done. Yeah. Now, I don't know how hard he can pull that card at Oregon State, right. but um, I think that's kind of the, you know, don't commit to me unless you're solid because, and, and we've talked about it on the pod before, you know, if, if you're committed to us, then we're not recruiting. You know, we're, we're saying we're full at that position or we have you plugged into one of the spots. If you start taking trips, then we're going to open up recruiting. So um, I think these guys are, are, are dialed in. They're ready to go. Big upsides, too, for, for these guys. So, um, you know, like I said, they're not like five-star guys, that, but they are intriguing enough that, um, you know, these aren't, aren't guys that – Oregon State's on their B or C or D list right now. Right. And hey, my grandma always said uh, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, so they may not be five-star guys, but we know Oregon State's not going to really be in the running for that. And you add a four-star s- splashed in, and then you mix in a, 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 Ju- a Juco kid uh, like Trevon Clark, who, by the way, six foot four, 180 pounds. Yeah. Uh, that's, yeah. that's good size to team up next to an uh, Isaiah Hodgins. Yes. Yes. So it's, it's and then nice you know the, there, there's been some talk on Twitter. I know um, Omar Spates out of um, West Philadelphia. He is born and raised. Uh, Reichner's born and raised. I know I can't even like look at that without that song <laughs> popping in my head. So I'm glad I'm not alone. Um, he is younger brother to Jeremy Reichner, who is the D tackle out of LA Valley College that the Beavers picked up in the winter in, in February. So um, he was a four star in the 24 seven composite rankings which take into account the rankings from ESPN and Rivals and 24-7. 24-7 Sports has always had him as a three-star, um, high three-star, you know, but a, a high three-star. And I know there was some talk, people kind of freaked out because as soon as he committed to Oregon State, um, his composite ranking dropped to a three-star. Oh, Again, come on. High three-star, yeah. but that was a, it was either Rivals or ESPN that dropped him. It was not some 24-7 conspiracy theory. So um, he's still the number two player in Pennsylvania, and this changes, right? I mean, those rankings continually are updated and changed, so he is the highest-ranked recruit right now in the class. Uh, is there any comparables? Like, what kind of player would we expect from a kid from West Philly where nobody's ever getting to see him play? You know, I spoke to our analyst, Brian Doan, and he, he's out in Jersey, covers that whole area. He's seen Omar several times. Um, you know, Omar's a kid. He's 6'1", 235. Oregon State likes him. He, he plays defensive end right now, and uh, Coach Bray is recruiting him as a middle linebacker. So um, according to Brian, I mean, he plays mean. He plays tough. Got a chip on his shoulder. Um, I, I think he'll bring a little attitude to Oregon State um, on that defense. But, you know, if he's a 6'4", player he probably has offers from everybody yeah so he's just he just shortchanged on the hype by a couple inches otherwise this is yeah. a kid that almost every school in the country is after based on the way he plays yeah he's you know he's, he's going to be tough i mean he's i've heard some some stories that he can be a little chippy on the field but at this point I you think know Oregon what State we need needs, it 
you, you need it. You need a, a guy that's going to, you know, um, be a little chippy and uh, play. You know, it reminds me back to the, the Fiesta Bowl team, right? You know, you got some guys on that recruiting class, like when Jonathan Smith came in, that were smart, intelligent. Mm-hmm. But then you also took some flyers on some guys that, that you know, were that, that played with an edge, the yeah. Donnell Robinsons and the um, some of those those players that, you know, played – on the edge, and Oregon State needs that right now. You need some grime. Uh, I think people that maybe watch the NBA Finals, as much as you hate Draymond, you need a guy that kind of just pushes the thing emotionally on the field, especially in moments of maybe doubt. You need that 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 voice, that uh, grimy, I don't care what you say, screw you, I'm going after you. You need that guy. And, and I think Oregon State, you had it a little bit from Seth Collins in moments, but he never produced to the point of putting, being on the field that much. You, Seth you, Collins, though, didn't know how to control it. Right, and, and that's another difference. problem. Right, yeah. and you're hoping Omar Spates can, but you need that kind of attitude. Uh, you mentioned the Fiesta Bowl team. It's been a long time. Uh, some of the Riley teams, no doubt, had players uh, of that kind of caliber, but it's been a while now since we've seen that attitude. So if you tell me this kid borders on maybe getting a personal foul penalty every game, I, I don't care. You, you need that kind of attitude paired with a really talented player. Yeah, and, you know, Brian told me, you know, flat out, said the kid has great hands, he's got a good burst, could, you know, be a pass rusher down the road. So, um, And then, you know, great stuff in the lodge, too, about Ryan Frankie and, and Michael Earhart from yeah. Greg Biggins. So, what, what are we thinking um, about Ryan Frankie? Linebacker, the end. You know, he's 6'4", 210 right now. He's long, he's lean. He's one of those, as, as Coach Anderson would call a long lever guy. Mm-hmm. Um, his brother plays at Colorado, so, you know, he has, you know, Good genes. He plays at Oaks Christian down in Westlake Village, which is a, is a really good school. Yep. Um, and then, you know, him and Earhart were best friends. Earhart transferred out to Chaminade in West Hills, but um, those two together are excited. Michael Earhart's, again, going to be one of those kind of linebacker inside, outside. And, and that's the thing even with Spates is that he was he told us that Trent tells him, Coach Bray tells him that he can come in and play wherever he can fit, you know, whether that's inside, outside. I see him more as inside, but um, that's in the system, that's where they see him. Maybe kind of a Slade Norris type player? Yeah, yeah, he's going to be kind of all over the field. And, you know, I think they are going to just wait till he gets here to see what he can do. Okay, so I got to pick a bone with you. Okay. You teased at the beginning of the pod, not done, more to come. Yes. Yeah, it's not too there, hard to figure out, but okay. But for um, those for those of us that uh, out there, because I know there's some listeners that like the pod, and you inform them on a lot of stuff, Angie. Is there any way you could hint towards what you're referencing there? Well, let we'll just talk about the other two guys that were on campus because they're big time players. Um, one is a cornerback out of Illinois. Coach Tibisar had his name is Winston Russell. Coach Tibisar had been recruiting him at Wisconsin, and uh, he is um, loved his trip. And we will have an update on him as soon as we can. I'll leave it at that because okay. we're kind of. I will. I will let these kids um, do their thing, and um, when they ask us to wait, to uh, you know, give green lights to right. Wait. Um, what is? What are you noticing? You you see the four commits, one JUCO, uh, two Cali's, and a West Philly kid. What are you, What are you seeing, or what are you hearing that is standing out for you in terms of the way this coaching staff is attacking it, and what we saw kind of in the last two years of Gary Anderson? 
Well, the, the staff is really attacking just if, if they get interest from kids, I mean, they'll reach out. They're not afraid to reach out to anybody. And I wouldn't say that Anderson staff was either. But, um, you know, the other visitor that was here this weekend is Zach Williams, a four-star out of Arkansas. When, has, when was the last time Oregon State pulled anyone from Arkansas? I can't I, name anybody. I can't anybody. recall. Yeah. So, um, you know, this kid's from Little Rock. His dad played at Arkansas. And <laughs> he's a four-star. He is this amazing. I mean, you watch his film, Zach Williams. Watch his huddle film because the kid is explosive. Yep. He would be an instant impact kind of player. And James Rogers had actually reached out or somehow connected with him on social media. That's what he told us. And his big thing is he wants to be a marine biologist. Hmm. How about that? So he utilized one of his official visits and came out to Oregon State. He has already visited Louisville, visiting Texas Tech this weekend, and looks like to maybe doing visits to Arkansas and Texas as well. Blue, uh, he was blown away by Oregon State. They took him out. He got to see the Hatfield Science Center, mm-hmm. um, all the, the new research vessel. So something like that, uh, totally, you know, off the Oregon State recruiting footprint, but they're willing to go out and, and talk to a kid if, if there's some interest there. I mean, we're talking about recruiting, so you never know where these players ultimately are going to land uh, on team decision. But I, I will say that that's kind of a cool story in the sense of it sounds like he's a kid that – you know, maybe being more cerebral, caring about the educational part, knows he's a talented football player, but yeah, the interest level in a major at a university, you don't, you don't see it often from four star, five star. No, players, you don't. You know? No, that's and that's. I reached out to our Arkansas publisher, you know, and I was talking to him. He's like, yeah, I mean, that that high school is one of the best. You know, he said there's like eight kids on the roster from the kids' high school in Little Rock at Arkansas, and you know, he goes, but the kid wants to be a marine biologist. <laughs> so I mean, you don't. I was like, okay, well, that's what I heard, but. It's you don't hear that very often. No, you know? no, you don't. Is there any concern if they're able to somehow get this guy? They have Omar Spates. You're talking about Arkansas. You're talking about Pennsylvania. Is there any concern that maybe going so far away um, doesn't truly land them the players or concerns of transfer? I know they have a guy like Art Pierce from Florida. Uh, I, I get that, but is there concern level? I, I guess I'm trying to say concern level from getting players that are so far away into a small town in Oregon that they probably hadn't heard of prior to recruitment? I don't think so. I mean, I think for a lot of these guys, um, they're looking for a college town if they're, if they're looking at Oregon State. And Oregon State's had success. I mean, you look back to, I mean, recruiting Florida and um, Oklahoma, and we've, ha- we've, had, we've seen success down the road, even a few Texas players dating back to the Pettibone days there. So, um, you know, it's, it's not like it's out of the question. And you know, you're a 40-minute drive to Eugene Airport, um, an hour and 15, hour and 20 to Portland Airport. So mm-hmm. um, it's not, you know, it's the world's gotten a lot smaller, I guess, in, right. in that regard. What is the, uh, I, you know, this is kind of just basically an interview right now because you're plugged in on the recruiting scene. <laughs> I'm not as plugged <laughs> in. Um, what is the impact of getting those commits in terms of uh, recruiting other players that those players know? It's huge, and that's what we're seeing right now. Um, Oregon State, just you want that peer recruitment, and that's you know these guys they're hosted on campus by visitors or by the on by the players, and you know how those guys interact. But then even on social media and how the fans interact on social media, and you know these kids love to see tweets at them. You know as long as they're classy, you know like go Beavs and. Um, but a guy like Isaiah Smalls, a freshman right now, tight end for the Beavers. I hear his name mentioned more than coaches. It's hilarious, you know, that a 2021 
prospect Oregon State just offered. His name is Anthony Beavers. Perfect name. He's yep. Perfect. Um, but, I mean, he's a freshman, so he does not have a ranking, but by all intents and purposes will be a, a four, five-star kid. You know, has already visited campus unofficially, and I, I spoke to him yesterday, and he went on and on about how he's good friends with Isaiah Smalls, and Isaiah talks to him about Oregon State. So um, these guys that are in the mix now, again, are going to be big for Oregon State, whether they're Oregon in-state players, mm-hmm. whether they're in Philly, or, you know, I think Southern California is probably a, a bigger, bigger positive for yeah. Oregon State. I think that's the thing that stands out for me is, you know, you get some of these schools that are able because of how good they are and the kind of program they've established themselves to be, they're able to get those players that are connected and outgoing enough to say, hey, it doesn't have to stop with me. It keeps going. I don't know. Maybe you could even pinpoint that on the coaching staff. These guys are all smart. There's a reason they're getting paid what they get paid and doing what they do. Um, or you would pinpoint to maybe a guy slightly younger than most of the staff and a James Rogers, who is incredibly in touch with what social media means. And, you know, I talked about a couple players that Oregon State and Nebraska were going after when he was in Lincoln. And he would basically, I saw him in Lincoln last year um, or two years ago when Oregon went there to play Nebraska. And we talked for 20 minutes on the field. Yeah, he was just calling it left and right on certain players. And he was bringing up players I'd never heard of. And he's like, he's not going to commit here because of this and that. And then he would be 100% dead on. Maybe you can pinpoint who it is on the staff that's really plugged in that understands this. Or how much credit do you give to a guy like James Rogers, for example, that younger and he gets what social media means? You know, I... I mean, I, obviously, I think James is doing a really good job, and all you know, they have Michael Doctors on staff. There's lots of younger guys, um, but on the recruiting trail, I know this is one of the questions, and I apologize right now because I probably won't give you credit for asking it, but we had it a couple times. Was which coaches are really standing out? I hear Coach Petrie and Coach Burns all the time, okay. and so um, we also have been hearing a lot of Bray and Tibisar. So um, those. You know, we hear Hinson as well, I guess. We've been hearing a lot of Hinson, especially up in the Bay Area. But Petrie is a guy that um, you know, I was talking with Brandon Huffman, our, our director of recruiting, and he's dialed in with UCLA as well. And Petrie, being a former Bruin, he, he laughs because he's like, man, UCLA might have hired the wrong Bruin running back to be their, their coach <laughs> because Petrie's name is being tossed out all over the place. So Really? Um, yeah, but, you know, I, I feel like this has been a really rosy, yay, Oregon State podcast. Okay. But we've had so many questions, Brandon. And I, I, don't, I know we might be pushed for time, and I want to talk a little bit about rec- the quarterback recruiting. No, okay, yeah, no because, way. Yeah, okay, let's just dive into think, it because we have some questions yeah, I mean, on I think that. And there's tons of questions on it. And I just lost that kid to Purdue. Yeah, and, and so, I mean, we, we talked about it on Beaver Blitz. I spoke to Pi Ferry, gosh, it was a couple weeks ago, and, and I called it on Blitz that he was going to go to Purdue. I just did not get the feeling that he was going to be a Beaver. So um, I, Oregon State now is – this is the question that's been on Blitz. It's on Twitter. It's on Facebook. Yep. Here you have I, – I, and I think I'm a little at a loss as well. So you have Riley, Lindgren, and Smith yep. on staff. Wouldn't you think that – and I, somebody coined it the three-headed quarterback monster. Wouldn't you think that those three would be able to, like, pull in, like, some kick-ass quarterback? I mean, given I the know. history that we saw with Riley, uh, his tenure as a coach, given what Jonathan Smith was able to do in Washington with uh, a couple of those kids they have up there now that are freshmen, and then Lingren, you know, I don't know a ton about Brian Lingren, but I did. we did talk to somebody – 
who had kind of understood that the guy's pretty plugged in with quarterback play, you would think with those three, yeah. But here's my problem, and I'm coming from an angle of uh, not knowing. Is this at a point where we should be panicking, worrying? I mean, are we at that point now already? No, um, especially because this is a really down year for quarterbacks. Okay. But And, and my, my take on it is I would rather see Oregon State not take a quarterback this year than to waste a scully on another developmental guy. On a project, a projection. On a project. So, you know, I, I look at the list of who they've offered right now. They've offered Ryan Halinski, who is South Carolina. Dylan Morris has been Washington-bound, which if I'm, I go after that kid so, so hard. I mean, with Washington. Yep. Washington's going to have too many quarterbacks and, anyway. He's not, not going to be able to break through on that group. Yeah, yeah. I, I, and, and Jonathan has a relationship with him. I, Yeah. Um, Hank uh, Hank Bachmeyer went to Boise. Jacob yep. Conover was BYU. Joey Yellen was a late offer, um, just committed to ASU. The BYU um, one hurts me the most, I think. That doesn't hurt me at all because the kid's not even he's a he's a he's a Mormon mission kid. So uh, he's not okay, okay. Be, well, I was gonna say because BYU sucks. I mean, <laughs> yeah, no, but he's a he's a two year he's two years out okay. anyway. So I that was kind of a write off anyway. Um, kid on Slovis, um, Oregon State comes in, offers him, and a day later USC offers him. So yeah. there goes that, and then Paul Pyferi goes Purdue. Um, I think the biggest thing for Oregon State right now is, like I said, if it's me, I don't. I don't want to say waste a scully, but you know you have some young quarterbacks. You wait. You don't just throw a scully at you know someone that might end up scaring away a kid next year. You know when he's looking at the depth chart. So um, that's my opinion. Um, I think Oregon State needs to show what their identity is going to, going to be on offense. Mm-hmm. Um, I whether they're going to run, whether they're going to be passing. I think we're going to see more of a pro style set. Um, but I. I I'm not in a panic mode. I like I said. I personally, though, I'd rather see them. Right. Not. I would rather see Oregon State not panic and just say, okay, we're not going to do a quarterback this year. Do you think they are? I don't know. I, I know uh, Weston Egret is a guy that they were watching, um, and as soon as Pyferi committed the other night, I know Brandon or Greg Biggins thought that. Egret would get an offer and commit on the spot. And I just checked in with, with Weston, and he still has not heard from Oregon State coaches. So I'm kind of starting to wonder what, you know, maybe they're going to stop, regroup, and, and reevaluate. Well, you know, I, I, the time is going to tell, and the coaches deserve maybe some, some, some uh, patience from fans and media alike on what I'm about to say. If you were to gauge my confidence meter in any quarterback projected to play this year, I I couldn't be more down. I mean, you talk about Oregon State football and what is uh, what is this season going to mean? What are people looking for in terms of improvement, et cetera? You know, the quarterback play leaves me so down that I'm at a point where I'm going to have to try to really watch these games and watch things I normally don't care about to see, uh, you know, production and development because I don't think they're going to have good quarterback play. Uh, we can yeah. differ on that. You can think Counter Blunt is going to be good. You can think Jake Luton's going to be revamped with Jonathan Smith and Mike Riley, et cetera. I, I just I don't have that confidence right now, and they can prove me wrong. But I'm going into the season. I, I just I, there's a part of me, Angie, and I hate to say this because I don't. It's almost kind of too reactionary, but I, I don't know if their offense is going to be much better than it was last year. And I hope I'm dead wrong on that. But that offense had no quarterback. And I think they lost a lot of their identity and the coaching situation was going on. But even with a pro style, even with a new system and new blood, 
if you don't have a quarterback, how successful could you really be? No, I, I completely agree. I, I do think we see improvement, if nothing else, because of improved O-line play. I, I think that is, is where we see some improvement. But I'm, I'm right there with you. I mean, Anderson's quarterback recruiting was so horrendous. It was abysmal. I mean, look at that list of quarterbacks. And I, I'm not taking anything away from those guys that are on the roster because they're all working hard. They're beavers, and you want them to be successful. But the quarterback that had the most Power 5 offers – was Mason Moran, and he's now playing wide receiver. Yep. To me, that's frightening. Yeah. So, like I said, I just didn't want to be like rah rah Oregon State. I wanted to to be a little real here with you know it's not while while the four four commits was big and they're gonna you know could be really solid players. Oh yeah, no, no doubt. You know, you know I, I I think people that listen to this pod know we're not rah rah Oregon State. If it's good, it's good, but yeah, it hasn't been good in a long time. I I was gonna eventually get to that quarterback topic because. Uh, well, we have so many questions on it. We, we do. It, you know, damn questions, and there were, gosh, there's so many, well, and, so and many of them. We'll get to some of the other ones, but, uh, you know, my co-host, uh, his name's Andy, and he went to Oregon, and we kind of have one of those relationships where, you know, we'll trash talk a little bit during the Civil War, but Oregon's had such a run versus what Oregon State's done in these last four or five years that he, he doesn't really attack. It's more just like, you know, what is going on with this and that? And, and we talk all the time about Oregon State and He's like straight up. He just he looks at it and goes, "How can you guys not have a quarterback this long?" And yeah. you know, even Oregon, who was terrible with Mark Helfrich last year, uh, weren't great, but they did suffer an injury with Herbert. They went how many years without a quarterback? You, you yeah. could say the year they went four wins, but they found Justin Herbert. So they went and got JC guy. They had Mariota. I mean, they, that's a program. For example, up the down the road. They have not endured this, and Oregon State for a while, I think the fans have been spoiled on this. We had quarterbacks. Our teams weren't always great, but at least we had quarterbacks. We don't. Ha- you don't have a quarterback. Like, yeah, There is no doubting, even the most diehard a fan out there has got to legitimately be concerned uh, about that. I don't know if the timeline is there to panic, but concerned and wondering, I think that is totally fair by the fan base. And you say don't waste the scholarship. I totally get what you're saying. But I kind of just wonder what is that going to mean for their season? I don't have high expectations. Vegas doesn't think they win more than two or three games. And that's the reality. But if you give me no quarterback play all year, I'm not going to get excited for the next year because I'm going to be wondering where are you going with that position? You're not winning football games without a quarterback. Yeah, exactly. I mean, look at Stanford last year. Stanford went into Corvallis. And even without Bryce Love, talent-wise, you should say Stanford blows them out. And they almost lost the damn game because their starting quarterback didn't play. They didn't have a backup. He wasn't quality. Was it Costello last year or Chris, whoever the hell that was? That kid couldn't play. He couldn't throw a five-yard pass. And Oregon State damn near beat them. Uh, Without a fumble, they do beat them. So even really talented teams don't have quarterbacks, and they struggle. And Oregon State is not having the luxury of being a super talented team right now. You had not having a quarterback, and boom, there you go. You find yourself with a one-win season, a two-win season. And that beats on you, I think, as a coach. Gary Anderson stuff, We don't. I don't want to dive into Gary Anderson again. I, I almost want to move on until something comes I do, out. I, I'm like, I, I saw some questions about Gary. I'm like, no, I do, I'm done with Gary Anderson. But what I, was gonna, what I would say is, though, uh, the part of that tenure, that short tenure, at some point, that beats you down mentally. It just has to. It's human nature to go, okay, here we go, and we don't have any chance because we have nobody that can legitimately 
be a threat throwing the football. That that beats you down as a coaching staff. And I don't think Jonathan Smith and his coaching staff will be beaten down after one year. But man, if you win one game and your quarterback plays abysmal again, you're going to be pressed a little bit mentally going, ah, all right, this is priority number one. And then you're just hoping you don't miss after that. Yeah, and that's that's where that staff, though, I think, I, with Anderson, he was impatient. He comes in saying he wants a guy that's going to beat you with his legs and his arm and, you know, goes out and gets Seth Collins. Well, he doesn't. that doesn't go well. So then he, you know, I mean, he changed things up every, you know, and then loses the team when he, um, you know, tells McMarion that he has a shot. You know, he tells McMarion in June, you know, nope, don't transfer. You got a shot. You're in this competition. Yep. And then in Bend comes out and says, Luton's our guy. Yeah. And the basically chases him off and he goes to yeah. Fresno State. And look, I was wrong. I have no problem admitting that. And he plays incredibly well uh, for Fresno State. Let's get to some questions. Yeah, yeah. So this one's a good one. It's totally kind of changing gears, but Dan Meyer, our Dan, uh, Dan Meyer, I believe, um, still feel that the university buy-in is lacking. Do you get this feeling? With, without OSU increasing amount spent on football, um, I feel that, so, that not much will change. I completely agree, and I am waiting. I hear that the universe or the athletic department facility plan, master plan, is to be released this summer, into the fall at some point soon. Okay. And um, I think it's huge. I think Oregon State needs to go all in on football, even to the detriment of you know maybe pissing off some other you know women's sports or smaller men's sports. Right. But they you know they need to get football and get the football team on track because it will help everyone. What is something, let me ask for, for what you said and the people out there that uh, reside in the camp of they're not committed. What is something they could have announced and done in this time period that would have led you to maybe answer differently? Just out of curiosity. Nothing right now. I mean, we, we, we've heard a lot about, well, we, they allocated more money for assistance. Well, that's maybe true, but they didn't really because Coach Riley is only making fifty thousand dollars, so right. for, you know a year. So um, I I want to see some facility talk. I want to see um, you know that they're going to get Jonathan and his staff whatever they need, whether that you know is more private airline or private airtime, mm-hmm. whatever they need. I, they need to start. Oregon State spent the least amount of any Power Five program on football this yeah. past year. Yeah. It needs to change. If they, you know, if President Ray is serious with his, you know, we're going to be, we're going to, I just haven't seen it from, from the university. I'm going to, I'm going to wait for that release that you mentioned by yes. mid, late summer or whatever. And then I will kind of ha- formulate an opinion. I can see where you come from on the gut thing though. Gut says uh, no, but I, I want to be fair to Barnes. I want to be fair to the administration if they release a plan and it clearly shows there's been an X and X on this and that, and then you start seeing more and more private jets for Smith or whoever, okay, then we have to change our tune. So I get what you're exactly. from no. that feeling, but I'm going to wait Completely. a little more. Yeah. And, and I just, yeah, when that facility plan comes out, I think it'll be huge because it's supposedly comprehensive for the whole department, but that, you know, football needs to be taken care of. Right. Okay. Um, I'm going to read one from Jason Young. On Twitter, what are three things you think Beaver Nation can look for next season that would let us know that Smith and Company are on the right track? Oh gosh! How about three? you get? We'll do three together, not three separate. How about you give okay. one, I'll give one, and then you can give one, or if I have something, whatever. 
This is, this is a hard one to, to quantify, but I think we can all agree that Oregon State was a broken team by the end of last season. Yes. They were, they were splintered. You saw them not together as a team. You saw little, little factions all over the sideline. Um, I want to see a unified team that fights an entire four quarters. That'll be one thing that I'll be looking for. Okay. Um, well, that's a good one. Upset. I yeah. want to. I want to see one upset. Uh, that doesn't have to mean you beat a Washington. That's not realistic for me. But you came close last year, and I again, it didn't work out. But if you can get in that position again this year, this conference is good, and then it's also kind of very question markish. If you find yourself in a position where you're playing Arizona coming to town, and Kalen, uh, Khalil Tate is playing well, Kevin Sumlin coaching there. You find yourself in a dogfight, man. Give me one of those games where you pull off an upset uh, or come so damn close that I'm going, all right, I saw some strides today. I saw the offensive line do this. I saw the cornerbacks do that. I saw uh, whatever it is. The linebackers are flying around. Give me something to walk away from going, all right, I felt really good today. They were able to win a game nobody thought they would. I think in all their games... Even as home uh, as a home team, they might be at least five or six point underdogs in every game they play this year, at the minimum. So uh, you know, minus the non conference, what should be easy wins. Um, so I think taking that into account, go out there and give me one game against a team most people don't give you any chance against, and 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 shock me. Good, I like that one. And one more. Mm, one more. Is there a way, you know, you said fight, I say upset. Something that's come to my mind is clear development. Yeah, yeah, I just, and and all this stuff is hard to quantify. I mean, yours isn't, I mean, if they can upset. But, um, like, again, we saw a defense that didn't know, like, we just need to see improvement. Let me walk away, Angie, with, like, two position, uh, two positions or sets, you know, with offensive line, defensive line, et cetera. Let me walk away from the season going, God, I feel really good about that group coming back next year. Yes, you yes. I mean? Give me yeah. something like that. Like, like they knew what they were doing? Yes. <laughs> they looked like they knew what they were doing? <laughs> <laughs> well, you got really good coaches on this staff. We don't yeah, know do. who is the home run hitter on the, on the staff recruiting. I don't know that answer. You might, but let me, let me see clearly. You guys still all know how to coach really well, and let me go into the offseason. I'm not going to brag about the season, but let me go – you know, I think Oregon State is a sleeper bowl team next year because I think the offensive line takes that step to get a thousand yard rusher for the first time since quiz. Yeah. Well, that's just it. I think recruiting then, I think there's a lot of wait and see. I mean, Oregon State is kind of the, I mean, not kind of, it is the bottom of the Pac 12 right now. So you, no have, doubt. you have people now that, like, they love it. Everybody's talking about how much they love the coaches. They, they love, you know, the ones that have been to Corvallis. So we like, we like the school, we love, love the area. But I think there's that wait and see, like, is the staff going to move things in the right direction? Yeah. Um, this one from Chris. He says, with the new redshirt rule, what are the chances that some freshmen take the trip to Columbus? Also, did the fact that the baseball team did well last week and help with football recruiting? Um, well, baseball, I mean, I, I don't think it hurt. I don't think that they took the recruits to the game. Mm-hmm. Tickets were pretty hard to come by, but obviously you can walk them by. And, I mean, it's right there. It's right next to everything. So I, I don't think um, it helps at all. By the way, my my two cents. Unless I, mean, I, I don't think sport. it's any major thing. But no. um, it there was some buzz around campus, so I, I'm sure that helps a little. Um, and then the redshirt rule that there'll be definitely some freshmen making the trip. 
There should be. You're and, playing four games. Like, go in, get some time. In fact, I mean, if I'm the staff right now, I'm starting to figure out, okay, you know, you, you get that penciled in right now, how you can – I mean, you don't know who's going to be able to play, but you start thinking how you can work that in to kind of take an open tryout. Yeah, Marco kind of asking a similar question, will the new rulings help or hurt OSU football? I, I This is the uh, good and bad part, in my opinion. I think the new rules help OSU. I also think it helps every other major college football program in the country. It does, exactly. It's not like some... Everybody gets to play their freshmen now, four games. Yeah. They get to see what they have, and they get to get the experience for these kids. So I don't think it gives you an advantage, but I also think it's a good thing for you. Yes. Um, and then Blitz, we had a question from uh, Matt Chifoni, and we kind of answered him. He, he talked about the quarterback getting a, a quarterback every year. Should we be concerned? We've kind of gone through these. Buy or sell Scott Barnes' future in Corvallis? Is he the one you want to hitch your wagon to? Mm. Too early to tell for me. Yeah, and the Pittsburgh, I know people tied this and it may not be fair, but uh, the Pittsburgh football hire was pretty god-awful, and that was his his doing. He he hired that guy, and then I think that guy won like one game in two years or something. Uh, so that didn't reflect well. I Pittsburgh fan. I know it's random, but Pittsburgh fan on Twitter, you'll search them out and they'll still be cursing Scott Barnes. <laughs> I don't know. I, here's the tough part with evaluating an AD that he's only made one hire, you know, of, yeah. of, 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 you know, men's basketball. I know uh, um, uh, Ruick is always oh, already there. You've got Pat Casey's been there forever. Jonathan Smith is kind of the first bar of evaluation for him. Now, other things he could do that could help, you know, fundraising and how aggressive he is, he is as an AD and being persuasive to Ed Ray and the administrators on uh, tackling like something like you mentioned, Angie, being aggressive in football, that those will come. But I think if we're talking success, not success, tie your wagon to it. Let's wait for and see what Jonathan Smith does. Unless something else comes out like, Hey, they chose not to spend that extra 5 million that could have put this or that over the top. Yeah, that's. I like. I, I just feel. Yeah, I, I. I think he's saying a lot of the right things, but honestly, I keep hearing buzzwords. Is what I'm hearing a lot of buzzwords. Why? why? Lots of committees and you know formulating plans. Not to say that's not a, a good thing. Right. But, um, it's a big staff too. Big staff. Can I ask one uh, question that we got that kind of. I don't know if you think we answer this. Why do you think they are struggling with getting a quarterback? I think it comes down to identity. I think, A, there's, this is such a down year for quarterbacks um, that, you know, if they're the, you know, some of these guys that are ranked four stars right now in, in past classes would have probably been three. So they're getting swooped up. And then with a new coach, I think there's it's a down team. There's kind of a, a wonder of, what are they going to do? You don't want to be the quarterback that gets stuck on a losing team, not playing. Right. So I think there's some of that wait and see. Okay. But I did expect I, and maybe I'm being, too, I was being too optimistic, but I thought out of every position on that team with that coaching staff, I thought quarterback would be the one that they would have no problem landing some top talent. No. Um, this one from Spencer, are we more likely to see Christian Wallace or Isaac Garcia getting significant playing time this year? Both were high recruits that haven't seen the field for various reasons. I'll, I'll go with Christian Wallace. I think we see more of him. Yeah. Marcus is saying that he thinks he's going to be a pretty good running back. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, and 
I, I just think there's a lot of unknowns with, with Garcia. You know, is he going to come into camp in shape? Is he going to be – how big is he going to be? Um, I know he battled some injuries, you know, during his high school career. So, um, yeah, I just – I think Christian Wallace showed a lot this past spring. Yeah. And picking up the – you know, not that he's going to be the – I mean, they have Art Pierce, but it'd be nice to have a, a one-two punch or one-two-three punch. Yeah, it sure would. It'd be very helpful for them, too, especially for their future. Um, do you got any more? We kind of covered it. I don't. I mean, um, I, you know, I, for fans of wondering, so Oregon State did have two half-day camps, and then they're also sending coaches around to all these. They're not satellite camps. They're other, they're other team camps that they invite coaches to come help at. Um, it was what I was told. Adam was down at the two Oregon State camps um, the past two Sundays. Over 250 kids on the 3rd and another couple hundred on this last Sunday, the 10th. And what what he was told was more than have been on campus at an Oregon State camps like the past two or three years combined. Wow. So big. I mean, over 400 kids through Corvallis. And if nothing else, it just helps build those relationships. Mm-hmm. And whether they're younger, whether they're, they're not D1 prospects, it's still helping build relationships with the coaches and high schools and programs absolutely all right well uh there's everything i think we uh, got to everything we talked about quarterbacks lack thereof we talked about the four big commits that jonathan smith and his staff got and uh, we got to some of your damn questions uh you want to plug anything specific outside of keeping uh staying at blitz and uh watching for all the coverage coming up with some of the recruits yeah, no, just just come check us out. Um, a lot of our stories we've made even non-members, so you can read them, um, see what kind of work we do, and um, would love to see you then eventually maybe come over and, and check things out in the lodge. I, I posted a bunch of, of little recruiting uh, tidbits today as well with basketball and football. So, um, But the stories and some of the breakdown, I've made those stories wide open, so go take a look. Oh, one uh, somebody did. Ben asked a question: Is Tinkle on the hot seat this year? That's random, but uh, you brought up basketball, so it came to my mind. Uh, I want to say no because I like the guy. I like the guy too, but but I mean, he's got to he's got to show some improvement. How's he doing? He doesn't seem like he's doing that great in recruiting. Am I wrong? No, they've lost a bunch of guys. They yeah. did have um, a BYU transfer in in town yesterday. Yeah, but. He was a four-star as a, as a recruit, but the kid didn't play at BYU, so yeah, doesn't get me too excited. Uh, I'm going to say yes, and I think it's yeah. for both sides. I think if they have another down year, uh, his kid will be gone, and I, I, you know, he came close. People don't give that enough credit. He came really close to leaving. I could see him if he has a down year going, I don't want to keep soling the name. I said that last year. I was wrong, no doubt. But I, I, I hate to put that out there. It's speculation. He is a great guy, one of the nicest you'll meet. Uh, but I think it's kind of for both sides. Uh, the tournament's great, but if you don't get GP2, that team doesn't come close to the tournament, right? Yeah, exactly. And that, you know, I'm not I'm not giving credit to this guy, but that's Craig Robinson recruit. Like, I don't know if you... I don't know if GP2 comes if, if, if it's Wayne and not Craig. I, I really don't. Um so with that said, they got to the tournament that was great. They snapped that streak. They were in a 11 versus 11 game and they lost. They said they haven't won a tournament really since the 80s uh, or 1990, whatever that is. I think it's fair to expect making the tournament. They keep expanding this damn thing. It's 68 teams. Uh, I know the conference can be tough, but they did get. And basketball recruiting is such a different animal than football. I mean, you have guys jumping ship, tr- transferring programs. 
Well, and and look at yeah, I mean, there's no doubt one rival school in the conference knows how to get the the uh, transfer kids. Yeah. But look at uh, look at the talent they've got too. I mean, I know Eubanks is gone, but that was a four star. His kid was a four star. Thompson was a four star, and the little Thompson was a four star. That that's four four star players that you were able to get. The one tournament appearance doesn't happen without GP two. It doesn't happen uh, necessarily. Well, they can't. They haven't star. been able to get a. They haven't been able to get a point guard. No. I mean, it's like these guys just keep passing. So you know, I I don't wish anybody to lose their job, but you know, if you're asking me hot seat, yeah, I think it's totally fair to say it's a hot seat season. I, at some point, we got to stop making excuses. I believe, if I'm not wrong here, that's okay. You can correct me. I think Craig Robinson had more wins, four wins, uh, four years than Wayne Tinkle. So you know, let that sink in a little bit. If it wasn't, it was pretty damn close. It's not as I know Craig Robinson era was not great, and I, I get that, but uh, this whole notion that it's like been roses, I, I don't get why more people are not wondering where the future of this program is, or maybe they are, and I don't see those conversations, but is it fair to say it's a hot seat season? I would say so. Yep. So we'll Produce. see. Yeah. Yeah, producing. I mean, that's what coaching is about, right? All right. Uh, yeah, so check out Beaver Blitz. Great community there. Angie says there's some surprises coming, some good news maybe on the horizon for Oregon State. Uh, my radio show is noon to three on 1080 The Fan Monday through Friday. And uh, we'll catch you guys again for the next edition of the damn podcast. Give Angie a follow at Angie Machado One. I am at Brandon Sprague on Twitter. And thanks for listening. We'll talk to you guys on the next one.